What I do every day, all day long in this office of mine is I work with the CEOs of business to business companies who have a complex sale and I help them elevate their sales to increase their valuation. Welcome to the Leaders of B2B podcast, a weekly show where we bring you interviews and in the weeds expertise with today's B2B experts and thought leaders. You can see more about today's episode and guest by visiting our website at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B companies launch revenue-generating podcasts. We schedule interviews between you and your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up for engaging conversations, we handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com. Hey, leaders, welcome back. This is Ludge. I am excited to welcome Alice Hyman to the show today. Alice, as you know, I am I'm handing it right over. The audience doesn't know you yet. What is your most favorite bio to give of yourself? Yeah, thanks. It's always best to give yourself an introduction because then you know you get what you want, right? So I agree. And I don't have to memorize things. And that just makes my life so good. Here I am talking to you today from 5,300 feet in the beautiful Sierra Nevada mountains. I live in Reno, Nevada, right near Lake Tahoe. So I see mountains out my windows every day. It's a beautiful day. And what I do every day, all day long in this office of mine is I work with the CEOs of business to business companies who have a complex sale and I help them elevate their sales to increase their valuation so that they have lots of choices when it's time to exit. You know, they can either pass it down to their family, they can sell it, they can acquire another company perhaps, but it gives them lots of choices to bring on a debt or equity when their valuation is high. And most importantly, at some point, most of the entrepreneurs I work with do plan to exit. You know, I look at that and I think, first of all, sometimes the CEO gets allowed to step out of the sales seat in the sense that like, oh, good, the sales team will deal with that, which I think is wrong. You know, like there's this oversight and like chief sales, no matter what, like when you're that executive, like you're in that seat, if you like it or not, you don't have to maybe do the day to day. Right. I and mean, that's important. And I also have a strong feeling about like we work with similar types of people. And first of all, revenue is the cheapest possible place or way to finance your business, right? You ought to be able to produce it and grow on it. And then that gives you a lot of optionality in order to make your EBIT better, which then contributes to the value, you know, of your company in most cases would be doing it that way, unless we're hyper growth SaaS, then we're going to value based on revenue. But that in fact is not as likely as people think. So, you know, often we're looking at profitability, particularly going into this new world where people all of a sudden care about money. We do need to look at profitability. And you said something a minute ago, which is sometimes CEOs think, you know, they're going to step out on that sales role and somebody else is going to handle it. Well, that is something that I work with CEOs on all the time. I let them know that the CEO will always have a role in sales, but that role will change as the company matures, right? And so if you're five, 10 years in, you're probably still fairly involved in sales. You have some type of sales leader reporting to you, hopefully by then, that is managing the day-to-day -day part of sales, but you're still very involved with sales strategy 
and with customers. But once your company matures beyond that, you really do need to stay involved in sales, even though you think, oh, now I can really step away, right? I have a CRO, a chief revenue officer, or a VP of sales and marketing, or some leader that's going to take care of everything. Wrong. First of all, in today's market, it's the CEO's job to understand the customer journey really well. And ding, ding, that journey has changed. So we got to be keenly aware. And now, First, with the introduction of the internet, it changed significantly. Then with COVID, it made leaps and bounds, right? Sped everything up and buyers changed again. And now we have chat, GPT, and generative AI changing things even further, right? And I don't really want to go there today, but I'm just saying when someone is looking for what they need, they would go to Google or Bing, but now they're also going to go ask GPT, chat GPT, you know, who should I buy from, right? So the CEO is the person that has to understand the customer journey and make sure that everyone in their company understands that because that's not just about sales. That's everything from hello to I'm your loyal customer, which means we've gone through the close to the onboarding, Two, we're billing them, so finance is involved. Two, we're delivering stuff to them. So whoever ships, whether it's software or hardware or stuff, those people are now involved, right? And maybe they're not customer-facing, but they have this opportunity to interface in a way that they can make or break the relationship. So that customer journey all the way from hello to I'm your loyal customer belongs to the CEO because they're the only person that covers off on all of the department's that will touch the customer on that entire journey. So I think it's something important that we're losing sight of sometimes as our company grows fast and maybe we're out there as the CEO taking on investors or trying to do debt or equity financing that's taking all of our attention. Meanwhile, sales is over here doing what? And then all of a sudden your numbers aren't where you want them to be, right? And you're thinking, that's someone else's job? No, that's the CEO's job. Yeah, is that the vast and it's like you're describing, I know, like in, for example, in EOS world, you know, it'd be that integrator, right? Like I'm responsible as a CEO for all the things working together. And whether you talk about that being the path of revenue or, you know, operations or whatever that is, and I tend to view, I'm just like a revenue first type of person, right? Like the only reason we exist here as a business is to make revenue. I just firmly believe that I'm not going to get into fights with people about like, well, money at all costs, or, you know, we ought to have other visions and all those things. I get it. That's important. And you don't get a chance to stand around the whiteboard and talk about your vision and your mission and how you're going to change the world and all those things, unless we're making money, you know, and you're either burning somebody else's money or you're burning your money, or hopefully you're getting it from your customer. Like there's just no other excuse here. So if we know all that is true, you're right. It goes from that point of like, even before hello, right? It's almost like some human exists in the world for whom we might have an opportunity to do business and maybe get their email address to start and then say hello. And then all the way to not only are we going to have customer, but what about a repeat customer, a happy customer, an evangelist, somebody who's in our community? I mean, it's just like... Somebody who's a walking advertisement for you, right? So you have a successful customer on the other end of that journey, who will tell others about you gladly. They're a walking advertisement. But yet, 
most companies don't get to that point. They have satisfied customers who will very quickly turn around and go buy from someone else, but they don't have successful customers who will die on their sword for you, who will tell others, who will go out there and evangelize for you, right? That's absolutely right. And we all know like acquiring new customers is much harder than just pleasing the ones we have and trying to figure out, hey, what do you want us to do? What else can we do for you? You happily hand over more money, you know, to our company and for product expansion and kind of all these things. And I hear that from the CEO's seat and kind of go, thank you for terrifying me that I'm basically only doing 10% of the things I actually need to do to make my, you know, company valuable. So how do you turn that into something that doesn't feel completely overwhelming for the business that look, nobody does all these things perfectly. So when I hear that list and broadness, I kind of go, wow, I'm already busy. So, you know, how am I able to make space for that integrator role? I think that CEOs are busy and they're busy doing a lot of things they probably shouldn't be. Going back to the EOS model, which for those of you who don't know, the EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And there's a book called Traction by Gino Wickman that explains that. It is a really great system, but it does work really well for many companies, especially, you know, when they're under $100 million. So I think if you start out with any system, you're going to do better than if you don't. So I highly recommend EOS and many of my clients use it. And David is an EOS implementer, so you can always call him to talk about that. Well, we use it, but I also say like, you nailed it right there, right? So not to harp on that, but if there's a lesson for anybody in the audience, like we don't care which system, choose a system and stick to it. Choose. Or make your own pieces from all the books, but whatever you do so in a consistent fashion, so you're not just like the book of the month club for management. And I mean, that's the killer part. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. But what EOS will do is really help you as the leader determine what your role is. So in EOS, we talk about really two leaders, the visionary and the integrator. And many of the CEOs that I work with, David, are visionaries. They have very little integratorness in them. They come up with big ideas. They're excited. They want things to happen. They're movers, they're shakers, they're inventors even though they may not be extroverted, they have these great ideas they want to talk about all the time, which can run their company crazy because visionaries will talk about all of these great ideas, but they don't want you to go do all of them. They just want to talk about them. And then, you know, hopefully they want the rest of the team to figure out which ones we should do. That's where the integrator comes in, right? So every great visionary must have a great integrator. Otherwise they will run their company ragged. And they won't be successful. And I've seen it so many times when CEOs call me and say, you know, we're stuck here. We've had a couple flat quarters and this is going on and that is going on. And I'm like, I asked, start asking them questions like, oh, you don't have an integrator. I get it. You're not going to get any further, right? And some people call that integrator a COO, a chief operating officer. But the point is, it's the kind of person who will help the CEO with all these great visions, turn them into a path that will lead to something good, right? And they'll also help say, you know, you got five ideas here. This one's the best one, or at least this is the one we're going to start with. So let's do that and make it actually happen. And let's focus on that. So it brings some focus in. So when I say that CEOs are doing a lot of things they shouldn't do, one of the things that CEOs are doing is 
trying to run their entire company and they think that's their job. And it is, of course, especially if they have investors. The buck stops here, CEO. We're looking at you. What's going on in your company? But a smart CEO knows their strengths and weaknesses and they stay in their, what I call the genius zone. And Gay Hendricks, I got that term from him. He wrote a great book called The Big Leap. He's written some others as well. But I really believe in this genius zone that he talks about where you have you know, your incompetence, your competence, your excellence, and your genius. And a great CEO whose company is really going to soar is working in their genius zone most of the time. That means they're not doing even things in their excellence zone. They do those some of the time, but they definitely don't do things in their competence or their incompetence. But as an example, CEOs who stay too close to their books. Look, you're the CEO. You should always review those books and you should have triple and double checks. But you should not be doing bookkeeping. You should not be doing the first review. There's a lot of accounting things you need to get out of and let someone else do those. And then you free up time to understand your customer's journey, to understand how marketing is finding them so they can even know that you exist, to understand how sales could scale versus incremental growth that they're getting to help you have time to develop the leaders who report to you so that they can all be their best, to develop yourself so that you're constantly learning and being your best, right? So you're doing a lot of other stuff that if you really list these things, you'd be like, wow, I shouldn't be doing those. And the question to ask yourself is, am I the only person who can do this? And if the answer is, no, I'm not, then train someone else to do it so you don't have to worry about it and let them do it, that frees up time for you to be the strategic leader you need to be. And so this is the mess I see, David, all the time, and I know you see it too. And when it comes specifically to sales, CEOs don't know what they should be doing because especially after they hire a sales leader, they're like, well, shouldn't the sales leader be doing that? And the answer is yes, a lot of it, the day-to-day, the sales leader should be doing, but what should that CEO be doing? So in your mind, what do you think the CEO should be doing to make sure that the customer journey is exquisite, right? <laughs> that they love you and that they buy from you if it's appropriate. And what do you think that the CEO's role in sales should be? I was ruminating on the past part of the conversation where like in my mind, the full integration of that path went to the integrator role. And so I think that First of all, CEOs do need to have that pairing and it's a pairing I take for granted in, in my business with my partners, the integrator, we've taken the little tests and like, I'm the visionary disaster with all of the, you know, ideas and all that stuff. And well, it's like that you can count on having that integrator around and go, that's a horrible idea. No, we're not doing that. Shut up. But thank you for your text politely. And obviously, you know, it's like be the good dream killer or at least put the parking lot over there. Right. So, but what I think that from a CEO role in sales, what my expectation would be typically being more in the chief revenue officer type of role is like, I need you as CEO, at least from the new business. So, you know, I typically would work on the place where we're going to sign new clients or we're going to sign and upgrade other clients from the customer experience or new contracts with old clients type of space. Right. But 
all that to say, like, I need the CEO to step in when I need the CEO to step in because I need that weight. Like, I'm not the CEO. I need the executive assist. And I want that CEO to present as a uniquely amazing expert person in the industry who has an impeccable brand around how awesome they are at that thing. Like this company's brand is represented by you, CEO. Yeah. You know, pause there for a second, because I think that's so interesting, right? So the CEO should have a reputation, a brand, and that should be present on blogs, on the internet, in podcasts. Any CEO who isn't willing to put themselves out there, I'm concerned. However, if they're really not, then someone needs to do that and be the face. But a CEO needs to be out there being, you know, the thought leader for your company, evangelizing, right? And put themselves out there. Then we have to teach our team how to use the CEO properly, right? So I don't want to be called in to close your deals. No, no. Your job, salesperson, sales leader. And yes, sales leaders should step in and help with closing sometimes because especially today, we need like levels, right? We need a senior person to talk to a senior person, sometimes to get a deal closed. Salespeople, where they used to be able to do that on their own completely, especially when we're a small company selling to a company 100 to 1,000 times our size, they expect to see the senior leaders or they're not going to close. So, you know, this old thought of, oh, salespeople should close their own deals. It takes a village these days. It's a team approach, right? But there are times when I need my CEO but how do I, as a salesperson, know that? The sales leader should train the salespeople and the sales leader should be the filter. Tell me why you think you need the CEO. Let's talk through that. All right, I think you're right. Let's go have a conversation with our CEO and explain what we want them to do and how we want them to do it. So the CEO is completely prepped up, right? And they can walk in and do what you want them to do not say, well, are you going to buy or you're not going to buy or whatever. They're going to say, gosh, you know, my sales team briefed me on your industry, your product, your, what you're doing. And in my experience from doing this, since I started a company, companies like yours, blah, blah, blah. And just the other day, I was talking to a CEO of a similar company who did this and had that high level conversation. But what we do a lot of times is we panic we can't get a deal closed. We pull our senior executives in, not, you know, could be somebody besides a CEO too. Sometimes it could be a CTO or something else. We pull them in. We ask them to jump on a meeting. We haven't prepped them. They have no idea what to do. And then they say things that we're like, really, don't say that, right? Too late, right? But it goes the other way too, right? Like CEOs who insert themselves into the sales process, not being prepared because they're desperate for like, Right. To get it closed. Well, I'll get in and close that deal for you. Or just like there's that repelling thirstiness of like, I just saw the financials that you haven't seen and we're going to have a cash flow gap. And this deal is really important. So I went in the CRM last night at 1030 p.m. And I'm jumping on that call because that's so important. You just like derailed that, right? So like there's a confidence factor that has to do with that delegation as well. And having the confidence to delegate properly to teams on all those fronts, right? Like just like you, you wouldn't jump into the middle of 
running a project meeting or what have you, or an implementation or something like you need to have the ability to give to that team and not get in the way as well. And that's a sales leader's job to be in between the salespeople and the CEO and help them gain access when they need it, help the CEO know when to jump in and when not to jump in. And uh, yeah, CEOs should not be jumping on calls unannounced. They certainly have the right to do that if they want to, but we need to train them how to help us, right? So they don't necessarily know and we need to help them know. So I think that's an important thing. But if you look at what is the CEO's role in sales and understanding that that role changes as the company matures, but just map it against the customer journey. So let's take a really easy example that most CEOs are missing terribly, right? Here's an example of, you mentioned it earlier, before I raise my hand and say, hello, I would like to talk to your company to see if there's any kind of fit here, right? What happens before that? They see your social media. They see the thought leadership coming from your CEO, perhaps. They see someone else talking about your company. They go to these websites that compare companies. They ask a friend. They're Googling, right? So all of those things that they're doing before they raise their hand and tell you that they want to talk, right? That's all marketing. All marketing. Now, how many CEOs do you know that get tangled up in marketing the way they get tangled up in sales? They don't jump into marketing and start, you know, hey, you should post this or you should do that. They just don't, probably because it's something they know less about or think they know less about. But here's what every CEO should do. Listen carefully because this is important. Take the journey your customer's taking. Think to yourself, okay, I need X. Great. What should I do? First, I'm going to ask my friends. So I'm going to go ask my friends, hey, what kind of software, what kind of hardware, how do you solve this problem? See what they say, right? Next, go Google. Google the words you think your customers use. Don't Google the fancy marketing words on your website. Google the words your customers use when they first have the problem and need to find you, right? Or, or hopefully you know that, right? Like a lot of times people don't well, even they know don't, that. But you can ask your marketing people to tell you because they have all kinds of tools that they can go on other websites and search the internet and tell you these are the terms people are searching. And the other way you can know that is by asking your own customers, when you need something like this, what words do you put into Google? That's the question you ask. All right, so then do that. Then watch to see what pops up. Does your social media pop up? Does your website pop up? Do articles about you from Forbes pop up? What pops up when you Google, you know, the words that might take you to this? Then Google your company name, then Google your own name and just see what pops up because that's what other people are seeing. When was the last time you Googled yourself? You know, you better do that, CEO. Every morning, don't you? No. Oh yeah, absolutely. So Google yourself, Google your company, Google the keywords people might be using to find you and see what pops up. That's the first part of the customer journey that you haven't even looked at for a million years, probably. Next, if they do find your website or your social media, what do they see? Well, most CEOs tell me, oh, I stay off of social media. I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? The whole world's happening on social media. So if you don't have an hour a week to go see what your company is posting, what your competitors are posting, what your industry is posting, what is being said about your product, your company, your industry, you better go see. 
right? So get in there and take a look, right? And then that's what your customers are seeing. Then go to your website with fresh eyes. So they get your website, they land there. Will they actually know what you do? I'm going to tell you no, because most websites are terrible. It takes forever to figure out what the company does. They use fancy marketing terms that I don't understand. They don't have explainer videos. Some of them do, but you got to dig and dig and dig to get to them. And I just simply can't figure out what you do. So I probably bounce. And I go look at the next one on the list that, you know, I Googled a list of competitors, people who can do this kind of thing. So go take your customer journey and see what it looks like on that very front end. What does your website look like? Most people, oh, we our website doesn't matter. You know, people find us this way, that way, whatever. Yeah, they may find you those other ways, but they also go to your website and your website is not helping you. It's like curb appeal for your house. Right? It's like, what do you look like when people drive by? And I'm a huge advocate of all the things you said. Absolutely right on. And then the first thing I do as a, a sales leader is go listen, marketing people. And, you know, like we're all going to get together and we're going to write this from the perspective of the customer and get rid of all this crap. And tech companies, you see it. I mean, it's just awful a lot of times the marketing of just here's a bunch of stuff that unless you're selling to that absolutely most technical person, and there are some cases where that makes sense. Tell me what you do for me. You know, I don't care about you. We, I, us. No, I care about me, which means you have to write it as you. (laughs) And I call that you first language. I don't know if where I found that, I probably didn't make it up, but you should always be the focus. And yeah, you're right. We know this from the literature of B2B. The CEO gets Googled and their LinkedIn really matters. And, you know, all these things get absolutely skipped. All the time, people are obsessed with making their LinkedIn company page. And like those get vastly lower exposure than the actual individuals. Yeah, I think that the CEO can be the chief lead generator, right? So if you are out there with your thought leadership, when people are Googling, that stuff will pop up. Wow, this guy knows, seems to know a lot about this, right? Okay, or this woman seems to know a lot about this. What, you know, let me read some more about that. And then let me go to their website and let me find what I need on their website, which usually doesn't happen. And since we know from Gartner and other research that most people want to do a B2B sale, most buyers in a B2B setting want to do much of their journey without a salesperson, but we're not helping them. With like 87% or sorry. Yeah, I, it was higher than 70 for sure, right? And part of that is because of the way we learn today and the way we do things today. And we want to get some information on our own. And part of that is because we don't want to talk to salespeople who are not concerned about us and solving our problem. They're concerned about selling their product or service. And so, you know, that's another place CEOs need to take a peek, right? So take a peek at what is marketing doing and the front part of that journey and how will people find you and what will they see when they Google? What will they see on your website, your social media? Go look at that with fresh eyes and see if that's what you would want them to see. But next, you know, it's not your job to listen to sales calls to coach people. That's the leader's job. But it is your job to listen to see if people are talking to your customers the way you would want them to. It is your job to read a few emails occasionally and see if 
Those are emails you'd be proud to have your company sending out. I cannot tell you, David, how many times I have sent a CEO an email from one of their salespeople and that CEO was appalled, had no idea those emails were going. Like who sent this? What are you doing? That's exactly right. What is that journey? What are the touch points like? And honestly, it is your job. Like you should have communicated in a fashion to your company that says like, this is our brand, you know? And yes, you have marketing implementers. Well, and we have marketing email, right? Look at your marketing emails too, that one-to-many messaging. Make sure that's what you want also. It shouldn't be yummy. It shouldn't be selling. It should be content rich. You know, it should be something that people want to read and not delete. And then coming from your salespeople, it should be one-to-one messaging and it should be very customized. Not, oh, hey, I saw you went to school at IU. No, but customized to that title and that industry showing that you know them, right? And it should provide value so that you pique their interest. They're curious and they want to talk to a salesperson because pause on that for a second. What does every salesperson on earth need right now? They need more conversations with people who can buy because days go by and salespeople are not talking to a human. They're sending emails, they're doing LinkedIn, they're leaving voice messages, but they are not talking to humans that can buy from them. So as the CEO, you should be asking your sales leaders, what are you doing to help your salespeople have more conversations, right? Those emails aren't helping if they're spammy and they're all about us, right? And they don't have anything that piques my curiosity. So What are those emails, right? Don't trust that your managers know how to write good content or good copy, right? And they may have been successful with that kind of copy for an email three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. Hopefully not, they're still not using the methods from 10 years ago, but even just before COVID, different copy worked than will work now. Don't assume they know that. Don't assume that marketing is helping them. You need to look and see what they are saying in those emails and what they are sending and how they're doing it and talk to them about it and strategize and go tell them, go look at the modern methods and come back to me with something that's going to work. Because as a CEO, I don't want those emails in my inbox, the kind that your salespeople are sending. I delete them, right? I don't want those spammy voicemails. I keep getting this one recently. She acts like she knows me. Oh, yeah, I'm calling you about the fund, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, it's just easier if you go ahead and text me on this number because I'm so busy. I don't always. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. So clever that you're trying to trick me. But sales is not trickery, manipulation, or coercion. Sales is being honest and trying to help people get a solution that will work for them to help them get out of trouble or get into a growth mode that they want to be in. So as the CEO, yes, it's your job to make sure your sales leader knows what modern selling is and how to do it. And you need to check for sure. And then the other thing, David, that drives me nuts is when was the last time you talked to your customers, right? So the CEO, right? All the senior leaders should be sponsors for some of the customers, right? Because every customer deserves a senior level sponsor. Okay, maybe not some of your smaller transactional, but any major customer that's been with you for years and is buying from you continuously should have a senior member of your organization as a sponsor that they 
have been introduced to, they can contact, they can talk to, and once or twice a year, that person gets on a call with them, right? So we got to talk to our customers, find out what words they're using about us to describe us, to find us, to tell others about us. And most companies do these net promoter scores or send out these little surveys, hardly anybody fills them out. But so few CEOs are demanding that their go-to-market teams do voice of the customer. And the voice of the customer, it takes a third party with a specific set of questions that will bring certain insights. And those change over time. So you'll want to do a voice of the customer survey several times a year, especially for your top 10, 20, 100 customers, right? And ask them in their own words how you're doing, how they describe you, what else you could do for them, right? There's just a myriad of things that you can ask them and get insights and or you could start an advisory council of customers to bring those insights to you. That's the role a CEO can play in sales. The CEO doesn't do the voice of the customer survey, but they demand that it be done and then they review the results and then they ask their team, what can we do with these insights? And if there is a customer advisory council, they meet with that council and ask for high level insights on how they can improve and how they can break into new markets and how they can find more great customers like all of the people sitting in that advisory council. So these are some things, again, that CEOs are missing. This is the way they should be involved in sales, not doing the day-to-day, not demanding that people make more calls, not demanding that people make more emails, but more at this higher level strategy and thinking always about the customer. Well, it's good that there's no work to do. So, you know, there's nothing that, that I can't imagine that everybody isn't cringing a little bit. Who's a CEO going like, I like, I probably do 20% of that. So you want everybody to call you? Where should they go? You yeah, know, like, <laughs> where do they start to change their world into these insights? I mean, because you're describing like 90% of companies and it isn't like people don't mean well, right? Like everybody wants to do a good job, but this is just, it becomes so overwhelming. It's lonely at the top. So, I mean, what is a tactical, like first step of like, okay, I totally just resonated with all of those things that we're doing really bad. What do I do? Yeah. I think the first thing is you sit quietly by yourself and make a list of things that only you can do. With like a bottle of Jack or no? Yeah, you know, I prefer a good Pinot, but whatever (laughs) works for you. Just literally get one of those post-it note, stick it on the wall and start writing, right? Or in a notebook or however you want to do it and just start to think. First, I ask myself, and I do this probably several times a year, what kind of CEO do I want to be? That's like, let's just start there. Like I can't improve sales if I don't know what kind of CEO I want to be. So I check in. The last time I asked myself that question, I had these answers. Are those the same or did they change? Am I getting closer to being the kind of CEO I want to be or am I getting farther away from it? If I am going to be this type of CEO, what do I need to focus on? So if I need to focus, I'm doing way too many things, I'm going to have to eliminate some. That means I need to hire someone to do them or delegate them to the people that I already have, right? So many times CEOs are, you know, they're penny wise and pound foolish because 
they don't want to hire another person. But if you think of what your time is worth as a CEO, it's worth at least $1,000 an hour, right? And you could pay somebody $30 or even $50 an hour to do that work. Or even if it was $150, it would be better to train them to do that and let you do the work that is what you're best at, right? That's in your genius zone. So sit quietly, think about what kind of CEO do I want to be? Okay, in order to be that CEO, what do I have to do? I have to focus and I have to let go of some things and I have to do some things better. Maybe I need some help doing those. So maybe I will get an EOS implementer. Maybe I'll hire someone. Maybe I'll join a CEO group like Vistage. What will I do to help myself, right? And then I like to make a list of all the things that I do and all the things that only I can do, and then start figuring out where those things can move. Because I can't make any changes if I don't have time, if I'm frustrated, if I'm stressed out, right? So those things, you know, I'm just assuming that you're getting at least eight hours of sleep, that you're eating healthy, that you're keeping hydrated, that you're exercising. Okay. Oh, you just blew my mind. You wait, we, we got to do all these real things and lab a life and like take care of our health and run a business. Because otherwise you're a crappy CEO. Sorry. <laughs> right. So yeah. you've got to keep your life in check and be a happy person and have moments of joy throughout your day. Then it's easier for you to sit and say, what kind of CEO do I want to be? What are the things only I can do? How do I get rid of all the other things? Now I have freed up space so that I can start thinking, how can we increase sales? What is my role in that? How long did all that take to get to the point of like actually thinking about more sales there? Like when you're just a reasonable level of, you know, like if you see people in that situation, it could feel overwhelming just to describe what you just did, right? So like, but what kind of time is that to say, I have ideated and I have implemented some, I've cleared some things off the plate because I want to think about our business making more money. You know, it could take weeks or months once you've yeah. done the initial work. The initial work is going to take a couple hours. You probably should do it with someone else who knows you well and can help you move along in those things. And call BS on you when you're lying. And call BS on you when you're saying, oh, only I can do that. Yeah, no, not really. And I think that most CEOs are not taking enough time to think. And I myself know that I need more thinking time and I'm trying to build that in. I go through phases where I have plenty of thinking time and then no thinking time. But if you have no thinking time, how are you going to improve, right? So I tell CEOs, you need at least eight hours a month. That's a bare minimum. Eight hours a month completely away from your business to sit and think about your business. And go take a freaking walk. Do it in nature. Do something like you can mix your healthy habits together. Exactly, right? So you do need to get to this point, though, where you know that you know what you do well, what's in your genius zone, and you've removed some other things off your plate. It may take weeks to train other people to do those other things could take weeks, right? And then you can now say, all right, I have this freed up space. Maybe it will take you months. It's hard to say. If you have somebody helping you, it might go quicker. It also depends on what kind of person you are. If you're like me, a shiny object person, and it's like squirrel, you know, it could take longer. So you have to focus, right? So, okay, great. Now you're there. Now you think about your customer journey. You go with your team and you map that journey and you talk about what are we doing at each part of the journey currently and what do we need to be doing? 
What are the leading indicators and the lagging indicators that tell us that the customer is moving along the journey? We need leading indicators. Most of us operate our lives on lagging indicators. It's terrible. It's a terrible way to run a business, but that's what we do. So sit with your team and figure that out, right? And then figure out what is your role at each phase of that customer journey? In the very beginning part where they don't even know they need us yet, what is your role there? What is your role once they've talked to a salesperson? What is your role if a current customer were trying to expand? What is your role when you know there's a list of 100 successful customers? What is your role with those 100 successful customers? So just map it out and ask yourself that question. What is my role here? And maybe your role is nothing at this time. Or maybe it's, I'm here and I'm training the salespeople to use me in this way, right? With customers, yeah, you need to talk to your customers. So figure out which ones you need to talk to and how often. So you can do that higher level stuff, right? And you can move away from being the sales prevention department to the evangelist and sales enabler, right? That you need to be. Because many times when I start saying these things to CEOs, I hear them telling me things that they're doing and I'm thinking, that prevents sales. Like when you go to your sales leader and say, our numbers are down, I'm gonna get on these calls, I wanna see what's going on, I'm gonna micromanage you, I want more calls, more emails, that is preventing sales. When you don't talk to your customers on a regular basis, whatever that is, once a year, twice a year, four times a year, that's preventing sales because you're not taking in insights that could help you improve the way your whole entire team is working, right? So CEOs do a lot of things that prevent sales and they don't even realize it. For another example is you let contracts sit in legal for three or four weeks, but yet you're yelling to get the deals closed. I can't close deals if I can't get the contract out of legal. Whose fault is that? The CEOs and only the CEOs because they are allowing that behavior to continue. And the sales leader can't get those contracts out of legal. No one can do it except for the CEO. And we all have seen it. A sales leader finally goes to the CEO and says, look, we're going to lose this deal if you don't get that contract out of legal. The CEO goes and says, I want that today. It gets done today. And the deal gets closed. But that's ridiculous. If you don't have enough resources on your legal team to move those contracts through, then apply resources because your sales will go up and pay for those resources. So or why have you allowed your business to be able to design things that are completely impossible to get through for revenue? You know, like it's like you facilitate this building up of walls to, yeah, prevent sales. Right. Or you make your sales process too long. Like everybody wants to shorten the sales cycle, but guess what? Most of you are making your own sales cycle longer. It is not your customers. I guarantee you, I can show you places where you make your own sales cycle longer. And the CEO, again, is allowing that for whatever reason, there's some department, some person, something that has to happen differently than it is now today. We make it hard for our customers to buy. I say this all the time. I'm like, what are you doing? to make it easier to be your customer and harder to be your competitor. Just ask that question once a month to everyone on the team and see what the answer is. Are we making it easy to be our customer or are we making it harder? Alice, I'm mindful of your time and of the clock and all the things. I had no doubt that we would probably be able to get together and do this for three or four hours if we wanted to, but 
I completely resonate with all these things. So yeah, I'm so glad that you came and just, I know this is just the tip of the iceberg of the insights. I know you do a ton of content and you've got a lot of stuff out there for the audience that wants to grok some more. Where should they go and do that? Yeah, absolutely. Go to my podcast page or listen to my podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. It's called Sales Talk for CEOs. <laughs> That's what we talk about. So definitely listen to that. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm providing content there. And there's other content on my website as well. And, you know, I love to talk to CEOs about what they're doing to prevent sales and how they can stop it. <laughs> so if you want to chat, get a hold of me. You can email at alicehyman.com. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I knew we'd have fun. We did. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And I hope you enjoy that beautiful day out there. Thanks. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com. This episode is brought to you by Content Allies. We help B2B companies launch revenue-generating podcasts. We schedule interviews between you and your ideal prospects and strategic partners. You show up for engaging conversations, we handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at contentallies.com.